Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Well, hello, and welcome back to WebRush. Episode number one fifty five. We're just we're just gonna keep them rolling here, aren't we? I'm joined here today by Ward Bell. Ward, how are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, you're looking good. Well, you know that's what I work on. I I work on my looks first of all, uh, and uh, you know because style over substance. That's right. I guess one of these days we're going to have to open up the video feed of these podcasts uh, so people can see just how awesome you do look. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah, really <laughs> no. <laughs> well, one one of one of my favorite <laughs> interviews that we did, I, I think it was with Mishko, where you wore one of your conference accessories to the video stream. So at least we got to see that, which was pretty awesome. So today we're talking about building a technology radar with Maria Corniva. Maria works as a front-end technology lead by day and writes blog articles by night. She likes hiking, explaining technology with metaphors, and the web dev community. Welcome, Maria. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 well, I was going to say we can keep this podcast really short because if it's really about how to keep up, the answer is you can't give up. Go <laughs> yeah, home. That's so, true. You know, now we're going to just go uh, have fun with uh, analogies and metaphors, but but I have a feeling you <laughs> wanted to ask something different there. So, Greg, so. Well, I was going to say, what kind of metaphors do you use when you're when you're explaining different parts of the development landscape? Well, it depends on the technology, but like my, I guess it all started with the first metaphor I've ever, I've ever encountered. And it was the comparison um, between React and Angular. So if you, um, and the, furniture than empty flats. So if you have your own furniture, you'd better go with an empty flat. So you'd better go with the React because you can bring your own sofa or table or whatever. But if you don't have anything, you can go with Angular, you can go with the furniture flat because it's already it already has um, the fridge in there and everything you need. Ah, well then I'm clearly gonna go with Angular. I'm just gonna go to IKEA. I'm going to point over there and say, <laughs> put that in my, and I'm done, you know, and uh, now I can go sit on it. So, uh, but no, that, 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 uh, that makes some sense. Uh, whether it's true or not is a different question, but we, I like, I like where you're going with that. Cause I, I, I agree. <laughs> metaphors uh, are, are critical to um, the enjoyment of understanding and learning and, uh, I think we should, if we aren't enjoying ourselves as we're learning, we're not, uh, we're not learning. That's a very good point, actually. That's actually a psychological hook, how to keep learning. You need to enjoy it. And for me, I enjoy explaining. So I keep enjoying, <laughs> I keep enjoying explaining this. I keep ex explaining things with some images. I like painting, I, I drawing stuff. Um, I like metaphors. So it's kind of a niche of me. I don't know if there are many people that need these, but um, that's what I try to do in my blogs, just mm. to um, explain it differently, maybe in some poetic way, maybe in some non-rational way, how to understand concepts better. For example, comparing um, dependency injection in Angular with some 
waiter in a cafe and some dependency injection tokens um, with the dish of the day that you can just uh, decide just when you start your app and when you open your cafe, it's this, it's the different dish every day. So you can say you can also put a different dependency token when the app starts. I think there's a real art and science that uh, comes to being able to take these technology principles and find the real world kind of associations with them. And of course, mm-hmm. no, no metaphor is perfect, but if it can help yep. people have that mental model to think about some of this stuff, I, I think that really helps out a lot. You know, we've talked about that yeah. kind of thing on our show when we did the sketch noting. Sketch noting is just a is yeah. a, a visual way to do what you're describing, which is um, a kind of creative storytelling that finds the perfect mental image to lock in a concept. I I I, I think there's tremendous pleasure for both for the writer and the reader in doing that. So, uh, tipping my hat to you there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full stack apps in a shared mono repo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. So in your position as as a technology lead, one of the things that you develop is a a technology strategy or or what you put in our notes here is a front-end strategy. So what does that look like and and how do you build it and and what's its purpose? Well, I'm supposed to be able to tell um, our CEO um, which skills do we need, which projects do we apply for, and uh, which technologies uh, we to educate our people. So basically, um, I have to be this oracle that says, I see <laughs> those technologies, um, well, I don't know, a sunset in the next five years, or I see those technologies race, or I see some future technologies that are going to be there so that we can, um, well, adjust our strategy towards how the front-end technology develops. And this is actually, um, well, a side note, um, Actually, I wanted to be to be a project uh, manager because project management is something which is pretty stable. You have some different uh, methodologies arising and coming uh, going away, but still, um, that's pretty stable. Like if building houses hasn't changed so much in the past fifty years, I guess. But um, then I ended up doing front end, and this is like the most fluid, the most. Uh, <laughs> The, the fastest uh, area, maybe security is even worse in this respect, but um, trying to keep up with front-end technologies is really, really hard. That's how I perceive it, at least. And so, that's actually my duty now to keep up with this. So uh, you, you you say sort of jokingly that you have to be this oracle that knows what's going to come and go and, and things of that nature, but as you're trying to evaluate new technology, like are there certain signs that you look for to say maybe we shouldn't invest in this area? 
Mm, well, actually, this might be again a no-brainer because I am totally with word that is really nearly impossible to keep up, to stay tuned, to not miss anything. But it also depends on the company that you work for or as a freelancer, um, the clients that you are looking for. Because um, it might be the case that, I don't know, um, for example, you have bigger clients with bigger projects than you might think that Angular is the way to go because it might, like, you might think that Angular is better suited. I try to stay new, as neutral as possible in my statements right now. Um, <laughs> so it always it, it always depends on the kind of projects, kind of clients that you plan to work with, and this is something that you have to involve into the considerations. Hmm. For example, if I were a freelancer uh, having some projects that I have to deliver quick and they're smaller projects, I would decide differently um, which te technologies they're going to go with and um, as opposed to some monorepo stuff, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the learning, you know, every time I look at a technology, I think, oh, how many things am I going to have to learn? Not just about that technology, but about what it takes to make it work and getting back to metaphors, does it, uh, you know, are the people who are going to have to implement this, are they going to be able to understand it because it fits some, some way of doing that they are used to? I, I, I'll, I'll bet you kind of have some dimensions that you consider uh, when you're making these judgments. What, what are your, those are two of mine. What are, what are yours? Well, I look at the, um, projects that come in what technologies they request for i look for what for the skill set that we're already having um i look at what people are talking about and i try this is kind of a triangle because this is the status quo that's the that's the the, the most um complicated part of it that um of course we need to um stick to our clients and to be able to deliver but it might be the technologies those technologies might be out of date or maybe just status quo um but we also have to look out for the newer ones and we cannot just go in either of the ways completely we have to combine this so this is a triangle um what i see on twitter for example what is kind of hyping and what our clients are doing right now and trying to find some some middle point, the golden middle in between. That would be the rule of thumb, I guess. And maybe having some smaller projects, um, like internal ones, POCs, um, with poking around, playing around with some new technologies, trying new stuff, which is important, but this is a kind of a no-brainer um, that we have to um, get our hands dirty to... Um, Stay tuned to. So when you're talking about trying to keep up and and you're building these proof of concept apps and trying everything out, how hard is it for you in a practical sense to get your team to either take the time or allow management to give the time and to to build that, or is that more of a core of how your business operates? Well. Of course, we have we are a smaller consultancy company, so the major focus is on um, delivering work to our clients. Um, that's why it's really hard to say like let's um, take some days off and uh, play around with new tech. Uh, but there is a way, and I really think this is a good one. Uh, whenever someone is um, has applied for promotion, we have some smaller bootcamp just to see 
what how the person is doing. It's not like to um, to control someone. It's not about um, really putting some pressure on this person. But then it's more like, look, we have this use case, and you have the time. Um, do something with this and this is usually really fun for the person because you have all the freedom you can take any technology you can play around with this during your office hours and this is also for for the companies also the opportunity to um to grow in some areas um besides our projects i think it's a good way yeah yeah um it it that's a way of finding out if the the chemistry is right between the technology and the person who would be responsible for implementing it. And there really is, I think, there is a chemistry that you develop with your technology, just as there is in relationships, right? You know, you either, you're not saying that Craig's a bad person, but, but you know, I just know <laughs> I can't work with the guy, right? So uh, whereas with you, Marie, I feel like an instant kinship and I feel like we could develop a problem. And that's the way I have that relationship with technologies. Is that, and that's the place you find out. It, it's not speed dating, if you will, but it's got some of that quality, right? That's actually, that reminds me, I used to compare languages with some kinds of relationships and maybe I can extrapolate it into the programming languages. So I, I tend to say that German is like my husband. It's someone that I know well, but it's, there is no passion anymore. It's just <laughs> something stable. Uh, English is my mother-in-law because I, I'm supposed to speak this language um, and everyone, it's, it's just a must in the world communication, but it's something that I pretend to like. And then <laughs> there's French and maybe this is kind of a cliche, but French is like a secret lover because there's like, I've <laughs> tried to learn French multiple times. I always stay, stay at some level and don't go further because I don't have any time or something um, stops me, prevents me from that. But it's like some secret passion that I have for this language. I and I was like thinking how <laughs> maybe this is the same with the technologies for me personally, as of now, I think, Angular is my husband because this is something that I um, work day by day, every day with. And English in React might be like this mother-in-law. I know that there are a lot of people that love React and I don't want to go into this discussion, which one is better. It's not about this. But for me personally, it's something that is really established and well-known in the community. I just uh, didn't have the chance to get, get warm with. So for me, this is, again, this kind of relationship that you mentioned. I want to know what your French is. What's your French? I have, <laughs> I have mine. Yeah. <laughs> As of now, I think it's not a programming language or any framework. For now, it's more, I have two, and those are just support tools. The first one is just um, JSON um, server, like using for fake backend. Uh, because that saves so much time and so much stress and I'm so independent and it's kind of a freedom that I really love at the moment. It's not a new technology, but it's something right. which is really useful at the moment. And the second one is just linters, Re uh, like AS lint and Predir. That's something, maybe this is already a lover that I've, uh, that this is an affair that I'm having since years, but I just can't, it's, it's, it's not official because it's not, like it's a, some additional part that comes to the relationship, but I cannot have 
in a normal relationship without them any longer. So it's kind I, of... I, I love all these metaphors. I, this is for, so me, for me, functional <laughs> programming is the language of love. You know, it's the... Like, oh. Right? Except that it, she always disappoints me. Um, <laughs> which is also the way... I, I mean, that's what a lover should be. She should be constantly entertaining and constantly driving you to distraction and disappointing you. I mean, that's that's <laughs> what that's about. And, and functional programming is right in there. That's my French. Oh, we are abusing this metaphor terribly. We're going to get killed. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> for me, it would be rather some really handsome, maybe like this is again a cliche. I'm, I beg my pardon. You can cut it off uh, later on. It's kind of a surfer boy, like a handsome man that I look at and I really admire, but it's, I, I, I don't can't come closer. There's no relationship at the moment between us. It's just like me looking at him and, wanting to try it out and being seduced but not giving in yet <laughs> bravo <laughs> that's hilarious wow so when when you're building your 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 front end strategy for your company is this is it something that's like a formal thing like a style guide is it more a loose type of thing where you we're just looking at different technologies and deciding where to go like what does that look like for you uh, we have um, technology radar in our company, so usually it's a formal process of um, stating which technologies we place in which areas of the technology radar, which ones we want to sunset, which ones we want to play around with, which ones we want to focus on. So this is um, black and white or like pretty um, clear statement which way we want to go. So, so that's with your internal apps and tools and frameworks and things of that nature, right? Well, with the technologies that you want to use for the projects. Right. Okay. Okay. And so when, it, when you're looking at trying to keep up with the industry and, and sort of decide where you want to go next, is that, does that, is that a fruit of working with these proof of concept apps and, and kind of deciding where to go from there? It's a mixture. It's this. Um, the those are the results from uh, the POCs. That's also the work on the technology radar. Because when I work on this, um, I have to do my research. So it's not that it comes out of my heart. I wish it would, but I have to look closer at the trends. I I have to um, assess the uh, what the web says, what the Twitter says, what mm -hmm. all the other resources say. So it's a re it's a extensive research that I'm doing at this point. So the exercise itself of um, preparing this technology radar helps me to have a better feeling of what's going on and where it's, where it's going. Boy, that makes and me then nervous. The constant, yep. That makes me nervous using social media to determine any choice, you know, um, in any domain of life. Uh, it's, it's not any better in technology. I mean, I, I, I saw, a I'll give you an example. I, I, I read a post that said, and it said Angular is a disaster for every business. Uh, it's a crime to use it. And then the person went off and clearly didn't know a thing about what he was talking about. Zero. But, he, but it was sure was clickbait and uh, got lots of views. And so I wrote what an idiot he was in the comments, just so in case any COO came along. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, on the other hand, to ignore it is um, uh, 
uh, is also would be confusing to your clients too, because they've heard about XYZ and they see that it's popular and they need to know what you're, you know, it's in the social media. What, what do you think about what they're saying? So it, how do you, how do you treat social media in your analysis so that you can balance that? That's a very good point. Um, I must admit um, the things that I um, got from the uh, social media never come to the focus area of the technology radar at first. So it's never that I say, oh, everyone is talking about Dino. We have to do Dino right now. It's more about, uh, okay, people are talking about X, Y, Z. So maybe we should have a look at this. And then we can decide by ourselves if it's okay or not. If it's, It might be totally awesome technology, but if it doesn't fit to our projects, to our clients, to our culture, to, some, to anything, then it stays where it stays. So I use Twitter, I use Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever any social media that you might think about as the input source yeah. for my considerations. It's never about um, how I assess the technologies. Um, I do it myself. I don't. I try not to let social media to assess them for me. There, there's enough commercials there. There wouldn't right, be objective. But it alerts you to no possibilities that you may not have been thinking about, or even or or warning signs that um, that may or may not be real, but it, but but uh, deserve um, at least a second look. And I, I I agree with you. I think that is an appropriate use of of uh, social media. Do you know the metaphor of the frog? Sorry to interrupt you, Craig. Okay. But since we're um, but the frog that is put into the cold water and it's being it's a pretty cruel one it's a, it's a well known one but the first part is particularly true and this is a real danger so the thing is that if you put a frog in the um cold water and you heat it gradually and the frog doesn't notice the change in the temperature and stays inside and well it might end not well for the for the uh for the poor animal and the same can happen with you if you don't act, um have the input from outside and if if you stay in your water if you're a pot in your pot so that's why i think it's really important to keep the eyes open but it's also important to uh not let everything in right. you might you know you might be boiling to death but you don't notice because you're so used to it mm -hmm. right i was thinking of the other metaphor which is you got to kiss a lot of frogs to find the prince but ah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe you kiss the frog in the boiling water and you get the best. I don't know. <laughs> so, John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps, one of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? No, oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, and we're a consulting company. And, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue, but they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but 
eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. So you, you've mentioned the technology radar a, a couple of times, and, and that's like a specific like outcome of what you're building as a strategy. Am, am I correct? This is the um, underlying um, data set. Once we have the technology radar set, we can reason any decision based on this. So, because I have to decide which people do we hire, and I usually base my decision upon at least partially upon our radar. So I look at this and I know which uh, frameworks this uh, the person um, has to know, or which skills the person has to bring with him or her. So um, that's kind of the heart of all the uh, other decisions. For example, education, which certifications do we need? Which courses do we take? I guess if someone wanted to build something like this themselves, is it is it uh, like something that you put up on the internet and go through it? Like, what? How, how do you build it? What, what is it? How, how do you interact with it? In our company, we do some series of workshops that we discuss, uh, in which we discuss about the uh, radar and technologies. And this is actually really cool. There are many reasons why uh, it, it, you should do once um, yourself. Um, and the one of the reasons is that you communicate with your colleagues and then you uh, learn new stuff from your colleagues. You bring, you communicate across different levels. You well, there are really a lot of advantages, but this is for the enterprise. That's um, well, that's for sure. But even as, as a single, as, as an individual, or as a freelancer, or maybe just as a as, a, as someone that just likes coding, it's really a good exercise to to do this um, technology radar um, yourself and put it um, and, and and publish it somewhere, mm-hmm. because then you start to get some traction from other people. And that's what I'm personally seeking, the discussion about the technologies, not saying which one is better, but which is more suited for the use case. Right. And that's my hope. Like once you publish it, our uh, for our um, the technology radar of our company is not publicly available, unfortunately. But um, in my talks, I have prepared mine by myself, and I'm happy to discuss this one. And um, that's actually the main purpose. That's super scary because that's opinionated. Opinionated. Um, but I think once uh, you publish it, um, that's some magic that can happen uh, and you can learn uh, more about other people's opinion placements, other technologies. Um, There will be always um, some technologies missing and some people thinking that you've missed the major part um, or misplaced some technology. But this is when the discussion starts, when the communication starts. Well, as you publish it, it, does it exist as like a wiki where everyone can contribute to it? Or is it more like this is the the leadership's decision of how we're going to approach things. And so you publish it that way. Now it's um, accessible for all colleagues, um, and everyone is free to change it anytime. But usually, we have um, some meetings or workshops where we update um, some parts of the technology radar as a team. So um, the one, the next one is, com- is coming in the com- in the next weeks. So we're going to look at this and reevaluate it all together. So as you were you were talking, I was thinking, you know, and you were sort of feeling like. 
like, oh, I'm giving my opinion. Well, you know, how to relieve the pressure of saying, well, this is my opinion. I mean, I have some thoughts about that. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, how you overcome your, your own resistance to saying, well, it's just my opinion. What, how do you make your opinion valid? Well, I personally, I use some set of disclaimers. I usually say this is just an opinion. So this is not the final truth so that I take the pressure from other people to contradict. This is just one of the views or one piece of the puzzle. Um, and it helps me personally to to get braver in this respect. And then I also keep in mind that my goal is to start this communication. This is the best way. So by keeping it secret or by not stating anything, um, I will never learn about other opinions. And this is what I seek out. So it starts from me how to overcome my own fear. Those are two methods. But I think your second question was more about how to make your opinion uh, valuable. Did I hear it correctly? Uh, yes, that, well, that was what I was um, going at. And also to sort of uh, relieve the, the pressure that one feels and the uncertainty one feels when, is, uh, when one is advancing an opinion. Uh, because um, as you rightly point out, you know, we are uncomfortable with saying that some something is absolutely so it's always contextually so um so um uh, i i guess that's where it's frustrating when i see a list of features you know this uh, uh this technology has this feature is like you know because it's like what am i supposed to do with that but if you tell me okay in my experience this is what i value or i think my client would value it that it matters to me more than a bunch of other things, whether um, uh, it's, uh, I'm going to make this up, um, whether that, whether that, fee whether I have to write a lot, whether I, there's a lot of um, syntactic noise and I hate syntactic noise. So I can see that when I write in Svelte, I have to type a lot less. I can convey a lot of information but I, uh, with, with typing relatively little, so when somebody reads it, they get a lot of information in a short, in a condensed space. Well, getting a lot of information in a short space is not an abstract value, but when somebody tells you that the reason they like that is because they're um, personally annoyed by having a lot of extra symbols around, then you understand their perspective and you can say, well, I'm like that too. Therefore, Svelte is for me. Or you say, no, I, that having a lot of symbols around doesn't bother me nearly as much. So I, I understand why Maria liked Svelte for that reason, but I'm not going to like Svelte for that reason. It's it's an opinion that's supported by clarity on your commitments, your expectations of what a technology should deliver. And as soon as I have that, I'm loving what you say, even if I completely disagree with it, because now I understand why you love that. That's what I'm looking for in an opinion. I think there are two approaches. The first one uh, is the one that you've mentioned, and it's um, it's it's the most suitable for this and that, for this use case. Like I see, I have the problem or I have a use case, and I think that this technology helps me, is the, um, is mo the most suitable to solve it. 
that's it might be the like this is my opinion but based on the on the argument of um um suitability and then i must must think about the wine tasting class that i once uh, took and there was our teacher said that um you might say that this wine is good or or, or bad but actually you're not an expert or in the, you 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 don't might you might have don't have enough expertise so the the only one statement that you can make which cannot be argued is that you like it um so it's it suits you better so it's again about suitability but it's um it's about your personal choice and not making this technology worse or better based on your choice because i think this is what triggers people and and which starts some unhealthy discussions when you say that something is just bad nothing is bad or nothing is good it is more or less suitable or you have more or less chemistry with this technology right but using your wine analogy it would be if you like if you like sweet wines then mm -hmm. you will like this yep. but if you don't like sweet wines you're going to hate this um it gives um uh, you're putting the criteria of judgment in with your evaluation and that yeah, really helps uh helps me understand um you know and maybe you know then i say well you know today i'm in the mood for a sweet so yeah but i'm not today you know <laughs> you know and, and but every client's in that situation right they um uh, so you're still making a, a, a judgment. I don't want uh, you know, you still have the right to make a judgment, but it, but it's got to be against a frame of reference. And because uh, I'm not looking for somebody to just say, well, you know, it's whatever you want. It to be. No, it's not. These technologies are not whatever they want to be. They fit a particular way of going at something. And they, they solve a specific problem. Exactly. Well, not yeah. necessarily a specific problem, yeah. but they solve it in a, they address it in a particular way, which is either appropriate yeah, for right. your circumstance or not. Uh, just like the wine is either appropriate for what you're eating or it's not. Right? <laughs> Generally don't use it with cereal, but you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, that's not going to go with pickles very well. I'm, it's okay. You got pickles, <laughs> don't drink that. Uh, <laughs> as you're evaluating all this stuff and, and you're putting together your radar, how, how much of competency with these technologies plays into a factor of, of what you're creating? That's a very tough, but a very good question. Because, um, I, I think one cannot know anything, everything. So it's, um, some kind of a guess and it's the best educated guess. And, um, well, it, sometimes it's pretty tough because you start questioning yourself and your ability to make any decision or to put any statement into the world of the web development. And um, in these situations, I have to think about the Dunning-Kruger effect because um, it might help overcome this fear. Uh, it goes in the direction of what Ward already asked. So... Um, Sometimes you question yourself, but then you have to think that once you're out of this down or tail, you, you're going to climb up into the, uh, upon this hill and look back to your situation maybe months ago or a year ago or so. And then you will realize that you're actually pretty knowledgeable right now. You're just too scared or maybe not sure enough. Not You're not believing in yourself to state something, to... to um, articulate your opinion so this um theory helps me to 
um, support myself to uh, believe in myself in the mm. moments when I, I think, okay, maybe I, I'm not, um, I don't have enough expertise in all those frameworks to say anything about that. What is this theory? Um, well, the theory says that you usually the, the, the less experience you have, the more self-esteem you have, you, the more knowledgeable you consider yourself. So the beginners might think that they know all the JavaScript, all the web development, all that is software development. And then once you um, proceed, uh, once you um, get some experience, suddenly it goes down because the more things you know, the more things you realize that you don't know. And then you reach this downside where you start to realize that you don't know anything because you see uh, more and more fields and more and more frameworks that are there, which you don't know well enough. And then once the deepest point is uh, passed, then you start, well, things um, get better again, then you realize that you might um, not know any everything, but still you're, you're pretty an expert in some frameworks, or maybe you've mastered some concepts quite good. So then you look back and you will realize that the moment that you disbelieved or the moment you, um, you questioned yourself was actually not the moment um, not not the deepest moment in terms of your expertise and knowledge. It was just the deepest moment um, in terms of your self-esteem. So that's this curve of self-esteem versus uh, experience and knowledge um, that um, the series about. I've been at the beginning part of that curve many times. Oh, yeah. Once you get far, <laughs> far enough down, you find some sort of stability of uh, of uncertainty but knowledge and confidence and there's a is there there's a place on the curve where you sort of maximize that that or is there a good place on this curve well um i think the more uh, the most stable places uh, upon this hill because once you you've realized that you it's okay not to know everything then you're pretty um cool with um with anything because you you know you you got to learn you know you you cannot learn anything everything um, and then you're you're fine with the situation. Of course, you gain more and more knowledge, but you are just cooler about you not not being an expert in any single um, framework, library, whatever. Well, Maria, this has been a ton of fun, and we've appreciated all of your knowledge on languages and and metaphors and everything. What we like to do is end each show with a final thought and word. I I, I got to tell you, I, I can't wait to hear what you've brought this this time around. That's a lot of pressure, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my. I'm, well, I, and that, and I'm absolutely drawing a blank. So I'm going to throw it back <laughs> to you, Craig. I've, I'll, I'll, I'll come back with some. Okay. I, I, th when I think about when I've learned something new, that's been really valuable for my career. It's often been at the hands or at the feet or whatever, of experimentation and trying to have fun and trying to solve a problem in a new and different way. One of the things that we have where I work is a half day of learning. And I was just talking to my manager today about this. And he's like, have you been doing that? And I'm like, no, because I get busy or I schedule a meeting during that time. But I think that time where we take it, if we're intentional about doing that, can be just really well spent and a lot of fruit comes from it. So I would say if you have that extra time during the week or, or during your month, take that time, learn something new and try to find something that you can use out of it. Oh, I think I got it. 
Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask Maria if there was a time when she really loved the technology and then realized maybe I loved it too much, um, which is maybe somewhere <laughs> on this curve and you wanted to pull back. But, but you, so it wasn't like you were entirely wrong, but maybe you were, uh, maybe you pushed it too far. For me, for me, that has been, again, getting back to our love of functional programming. It's, um, it's, uh, it's been things like RxJS, the these uh, reactive, uh, reactive programming in general, um, which <clears throat> I despised initially. Then I said, "Well, let's go all in," and then all in was everything I knew it would be horrible <laughs> about it. And but it's not like it's you know. Then I could look back at what I did you know at life before reactive programming. Well, I didn't like that either, and so. I, I, you know, mentally, I, I guess my lesson is that I, I, I have to be prepared to change my opinion and, um, and, and, and have a richer opinion as things evolve. And if I'm candid about that at various times when I'm giving my review, right, you were talking about this, like, how do I tell people it's my opinion? Um, that's part of your opinion is your progression along that learning. That's part of my, anyway, my my thing. And so being ready to say, you know, uh, I didn't have it right last year. It's a little more complicated than that, you know, so uh, maybe I don't think that anymore. Uh, I think you got to be ready for that. And everybody who's listening should be ready for that and not, not uh, take you, you know, not punish you for changing your mind. <laughs> so, so I don't know. That's, that's my thought. I like it. How about you, Maria? Change your mind. I'm still like thinking about when I changed my mind about technologies. Um, I think all my technology laughs uh, were more like maybe feeling sad that it didn't work out, but it's not like changing my mind and uh, breaking up by myself. <laughs> but um, like my final thoughts on the whole story would be... Um, one of my friends is pretty brave in uh, embarking on new adventures, um, saying that um, taking responsibility for some tasks when I think, okay, are you ready for this? Are you skilled enough for this? How, well, I mean, are you sure you, you're good enough for this? And then she just does it. And then um, once she's in the cold water, she learns how to swim. That's again, a no, no brainer, but that's what I took over from her. And this is actually my warmest advice um, to not to be afraid of exploring new stuff and to um, taking um, responsibility for something that you think you have an idea how to implement, but um, you don't know it into the detail so that you get this elephant and then you learn how to eat it and you know how to eat an elephant. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm with so you. So that's that's bravery. Bravery. The way of swimming. Bravery is really important, and sharing the journey. Um, uh, you know, let us how it, how that cold water feels. Let us know what drowning feels. Let us know what swimming feels. Uh, we're there with you. We're there with you. Uh, I love that. Well, Maria, thanks so much for spending this time with us. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners who join us every single week. We'll see you again next Thursday. You're on WebRush. <laughs>